Welcome back to another episode of The Witching. My name is Shay, and I'm here with my co-host, Julia. And today, she's going to be talking about Chernobyl. Yeah. So I wanted to do this for uh, um, a Wonders of the Natural World episode, Mm -hmm. just because, like, it's very interesting, it's very sad, and, you know, there's lots of, like, kind of like myths not myths but like you know kind of like conspiracy theories around it like about like animal mutations and things like that that I've always been kind of interested in Mm -hmm. so I just thought it'd be interesting to do um an episode about um basically what happened there and about um kind of talking about like what happened to the animals that were left behind um after the accident yeah it kind of reminds me um already of the show the 100 because yeah earth like goes through this like nuclear war and then Mm -hmm. everything's destroyed as they Mm -hmm. they think right they come back and then they see like all these crazy animals yeah i know i started watching that show but i never finished it because it kind of got like i don't remember if it was like season three or something but i was just like no this is, this is, I'm not into this anymore. Yeah, they always have to, like, change up a really good show, like, on the third and fourth yeah. season, and then you're like, why am I still here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the first, like, couple seasons are good. Yeah, I like the first one. I only watched the first one, so. Okay, well, that's okay. You don't need to watch it anymore. <laughs> you're like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, for those of you who don't know, Chernobyl is in Ukraine, and I guess this is kind of a fitting time to talk about Ukraine as well because of what's happening there. The accident occurred on April 26 in 1986, and it happened during a safety test on a steam turbine of one of the RBMK-type nuclear reactors that they have there. The, basically what happened was that the operators were unable to restore the power level um, that was specified by the program which basically put the reactor in an unstable condition. What's interesting about that is that the risk was actually not even made evident to the operating instructor, so the operators just proceeded to go along with the test. So even though they weren't able to restore it to um, the power level that they were supposed to, they didn't really see a problem with that, so they just kept going. So after the test was completed, the operators basically triggered a reactor shutdown and a combination of the operator's negligence and um, critical design flaws made the reactor primed to explode. So instead of shutting down, an uncontrolled nuclear chain reaction began, which released an enormous amount of energy. Oh my God. Yeah, so it was pretty bad. Um, When I was doing research, there's, like, a lot of information about what, like, the specifics of what actually happened. Like, when I was reading, they had, like, actually step-by-step, like, day shift, evening shift, midnight shift of, like, exactly what happened. But honestly, it's, it's a lot to take in and understand. And I thought it would just be better to kind of just go over the general information of what happened rather than trying to explain, like, 
every step of the way what went wrong so basically what happened was that the operators made a mistake and they were kind of untrained not untrained but like one of them had only been on the job for like three months Mm -hmm. and some of the design flaws like i mentioned earlier like they just uh were not made clear to them so that's it was kind of just like a um a combination of their fault plus the um the design itself that went wrong oh gotcha basically what happened was the interaction of very hot fuel with the cooling water led to a fuel fragmentation along with rapid steam production and an increase in pressure Um, like i said the design characteristics of the reactor were um, substantial damage to even three or four of the fuel assemblies would result in the destruction of the reactor which is exactly what happened The overpressure caused the cover plate of the reactor to become partially detached, which ruptured the fuel channels and jammed all of the control rods, which by that time were only halfway down. And intense steam generation then spread throughout the entire core, causing a steam explosion and releasing fission products to the atmosphere. About two or three seconds later, a second explosion threw out fragments from the fuel channels and hot graphite. So the graphite was ejected and fuel became incandescent and started a number of fires, causing the main release of radioactivity into the environment. Oh, God. And after the explosion, about three, uh, around like 300 tons of water per hour was injected into the intact half of the reactor um, using a, a feed water pump to try to, you know, cool it down. Mm-hmm. But um, it was stopped halfway after about half a day because of they were worried about the, um, the amount of water flooding into the other units. Uh. So <clears throat> after the first day, from the second to the tenth day after the accident, Around 5,000 tons of boron, dolomite, sand, clay, and lead were dropped onto the burning core by a helicopter trying to extinguish the blaze and limit the release of radioactive particles. So, (laughs) yeah, so basically this went on for 10 days after they were trying to put out the fire and, you know, kind of control the amount of stuff that was going into the atmosphere. It's so awful. Yeah. It's crazy. There's a, um, a documentary about it on HBO. Um, it's just called Chernobyl. Oh. You should, I would definitely recommend watching it if you want to get some more like um, specific information about about that. They have like you know obviously uh, video recordings of them dumping all of that stuff and from helicopters onto yeah. the reactor. I I think I'm pretty sure I watched it. Um, you did. Yeah, it was. It's with like, I don't know his name, but he's in another show called The Terror on um, TNT or FX. I forget. Mm. But I remember watching it and like being so grossed out by the people's skin that were like exposed yeah. to the radiation and stuff. Ew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was so it's, like vivid. Yeah, it's really bad. It's so bad that it's actually. Um, the largest uncontrolled radioactive release into the environment ever recorded for any civilian operation. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so it's basically the worst 
ever. <laughs> like, not even over-exaggerating. Yeah. You're just... <laughs> so, <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean yeah. to laugh. That's so awful. <laughs> I know. I know. It's like, usually on the podcast, we're like making jokes and stuff but it's just like so sad i feel like, like now is even, not the time <laughs> it's not the time no also like it, just thinking about um a lasting effects like you could have a tragedy and it'll happen and it's awful but mm-hmm. this is like still ongoing and i remember um i don't know if you follow anka uh the tattooer on instagram Mm, I don't think so. Uh, she makes like these goblin girls and they're really cute and pretty. Um, anyways, mm-hmm. she showed her, um, they have like these cards that they have to carry around if they were born in um, an area close to where the nuclear explosion happened. Really? If they were born wow. like I think in the 80s or something and she literally has a card that says that she's i don't know if it says she's semi-radioactive i think it just says that she was born in this area so they keep track of the lasting effects of i guess maybe people's genetics like maybe mm-hmm. how they they were affected you know i don't i yeah, don't know definitely it was crazy though. i think so wow that's crazy yeah um that's kind of similar like what they're doing with the animals just like kind of keeping an eye on them to kind of study the effects of the radiation Mm -hmm. on the animals but i mean on the people too i'm sure yeah Mm -hmm. so like i said earlier a large quantity of radioactive substances were released into the air for about 10 days after the accident um obviously causing serious social and economic disruption for large populations not only in ukraine but in belarus russia and um some some areas like scandinavia and even in as far as europe so um everything that was released into the air went really really far and and caused damage not only in ukraine but other places as well two of the um radio nuclide nuclides i think is how you say it um Basically, two of the radioactive substances that were released into the air were iodine-131 and caesium, I think is how you say it, 137. And um, they were pretty very, uh, they were very significant for um, the amount of those two that were released and delivered to people in the public. So there was a... um, a lot of xenon gas as well that was released oh and about half of the iodine and casium and at least 5% of the remaining radioactive material in Chernobyl in the reactor was released by the accident. Mm-hmm. And most of it was um, deposited like pretty close, you know, and I think it's like 30 kilometers to the act to the actual reactor, like, you know, through dust, debris, um, things like that. But like I said earlier, lighter material was carried by the wind and, you know, brought to a lot of other different countries. Right. So it's pretty crazy. Like just from that, like you can see how much it affects not only like the physical location where it happened, but it, you know, it spreads over a large area. Yeah. Yeah. The casualties um, included firefighters who attended the initial fires on the roof of the turbine building. Um, 
Those fires were put out in a few hours, but the radiation doses on the first day caused 28 deaths, and six of those were firemen by the end of July of that year. So uh, April, May, June, July. So in four months, um, 28 people died from that. Yeah, like, you know, imagine knowing that you had to go there to perform a service, you know, like, aka the firefighters, and knowing that you mm-hmm. might not die then, but, like, knowing that you're being exposed to such radiation that you will die in, like, four months. That's so awful. Yeah, I remember in the um, documentary that it kind of seemed like, I could be wrong because I haven't seen it in a while, but I think feel like I remember them basically saying that the people who were volunteering and the firefighters, like, they didn't really understand or they didn't really tell them and they definitely didn't prepare them for a radioactive situation. Like they didn't have the correct gear to protect them. Actually, I think you're a hundred percent correct. I remember feeling sad when I watched that because there was like this young guy who left his girlfriend or something Mm -hmm. and he didn't, he had like no idea. Yes, I do remember that. Yeah. And I remember them like just being like, uh, I don't know if they were like underground or they were doing something trying to, you know, um, to, I think it was maybe the cleanup or during it. I don't remember, but they didn't have any protective gear. I think that they were just using like, you know, masks that we have been using for COVID recently, like those just normal masks. And that was pretty much it. If that they definitely could have done better to protect them, Mm -hmm. but I mean, It's just awful. Um, The doses received by the firefighters and the power plant workers were high enough to result in acute radiation syndrome, um, or ARS, which often occurs in a person that is exposed to more than 700 milligrays within a short time, which is like usually a few minutes to calculate that. So, yeah, uh, common um, acute radiation syndrome symptoms are gastrointestinal problems like nausea, vomiting, headaches, burns, fever, um, and whole body doses of radiation within a, for, uh, within a short time frame would kill around 50% of the people who are exposed. And some of them could, you know, more than that could even be fatal if they got even more, uh, if they were exposed for even longer. Right. So like a full body dose would be like around 4,000 milligrays. And if they had even more, that could be around like 10,000 milligrays. And I guess these firefighters who died, like the six of them that died, were estimated to have gotten up to 20,000 milligrays of radiation. So that just like makes you think like watching that documentary and seeing the firefighters there Mm -hmm. working like that they were getting like 20,000 milligrays of radiation during that time. Right. And that's like only, I mean, you, you're if you're only exposed within a few minutes, you get those symptoms. And they were there for days. Right. It's insane. So obviously the next task for them um, after the accident was, you know, cleaning up all the radioactivity at the site and um trying to restart or you know getting the other three reactors there started and um getting the reactor that exploded shielded more permanently to contain the radiation within the um within the site Mm -hmm. 
So about 200,000 people from all over the Soviet Union um, volunteered to help with the recovery and cleanup during 1986 and 87. And they were obviously all um, exposed to high doses of radiation during that time. Um, <clears throat> and also, it's, it's good to mention that um, the day after the accident happened, um, the town where most of the plant operators and their families lived, which is called, I think it's pronounced Pripyat. I mean, that's probably wrong, but that's the phonetic way to say yeah. it. P-R-I-P-Y-A-T. Um, <laughs> they were all evacuated the day after. It was about 45,000 residents. Oh, my gosh. And by May 14th, um, less than a month later, around um, 116,000 people that had been living within 30 kilometers have also been evacuated. Um, and it was, I thought it was also interesting because it also says that around 1,000 people actually returned to, like, live in that contaminated zone. Mm. Um, kind of unofficially, but, like, they didn't want to leave, so they just stayed. Yeah. I thought that was pretty interesting that they would want to stay there. People are like that, though. Like, especially, like, older people, if they've lived there their entire life, they're like, mm -hmm. fuck it. I'm not leaving. I'll die on yeah. this land, you know? I, I know. <laughs> I would not be one of those people. No, I'd be like, no. get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> exactly. Um, but also, I mean, you have to think, too, like, in the 80s, they, I mean... They probably did not know as much as we do now about like the dangers of radiation and all of that yeah yeah because this obviously never happened before so why would they know well about that what time frame was this the 1960s right yeah or no 80s sorry this happened in the 1980s yeah 1986 oh <laughs> I... yeah it was only like 40 years ago I had no idea. I thought this was like... Um, excuse me, were you listening? Yes. I said it in the beginning. I... Okay, listen, I was listening, but I did not... It didn't click. No, I thought you said 1968 or 1966. <laughs> what the fuck? That's okay, That's... but still. I know, it's crazy. Okay, but now it makes more sense that Anka has that card because mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure she was yeah she was born in the 80s so mm -hmm. that makes sense that's wild sorry wonder if she i wonder if they only give those cards to people born after 1986 or anyone who's just living in that area i think it's both because yeah uh, definitely if like i don't know logically i feel like the government would want to keep track of those people's movements because technically they are radiated so if like there's mm -hmm. a chance that they could spread it to other areas, that's something that they have to like watch, you know. Yeah, that's true. Um <clears throat> and in the years after the accident, a further 220,000 people actually resettled um into the less contaminated areas and um the initial 30 kilometer radius um of the contaminated zone, which was about um yeah, 30 kilometers was actually extended to over 30, uh, I'm sorry, 4,300 square kilometers. So that's about doubling the size to like 60 kilometers about that. So they actually made the um, uh, 
area a little bit bigger. Oh, I see. Yeah. Can um, you do like tours though? That's what I heard. Um, David told me that people can actually like go there. I mean, I don't really see why you would want to go there. Um, like even if even if now like the radiation is like pretty much at a safe level. Yeah, yeah. Or safe-ish level. I'm sure there's still areas there that are dangerous. And why would you want to risk that? I, yeah, no, logically, no. Uh, my curiosity, however, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Like, I feel like seeing all of the decay and stuff, like the old pieces, like, if you think about it, some things are so, like, they're left untouched, you know, like, they'll have, like, growth around them, but it's literally, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, like, the ghost town-esque yeah. vibe about it. I don't know. I'd be curious. I kind of would want to go. And I think the tours, they have, like, those monitors where, like, they they show you, like, the level of radiation that you're being exposed to. And then yeah. they stay far away from, like, if it, go, like, reaches a certain number or something. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. But, yeah, <clears throat> I get what you're saying because, like, um, it definitely has been, like, nature has been taking that area back it's kind of like a kind of like a like an animal refuge now which is what i was going to talk about next is like the animal aspect of it mm-hmm. is basically that area since there's not really any people there it's basically like a wildlife refuge mm-hmm. so it's definitely being taken back by nature for mutants yes <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah obviously since few people live near chernobyl Animals living in that vicinity um, near the accident um, are starting, not starting, but they have been growing. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not all of them, and I'll get to that, but there's definitely groups of like animals, mammals that have been um, thriving there. So um, studying the effects of the radiation helps scientists um, gauge the recovery from the accident and, um, you know, helps them basically just learn about the impact of the the accident Mm -hmm. so um after the accident most of the domestic animals moved away um and the deformed farm animals that were born um very recently after the accident didn't reproduce so it's not like like any deformed animals that were there at the time were able to reproduce and now they have like just a new species of deformed cow or something. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm thinking about. And I'm like, no. Like you have like the species that are now called like a Chernobyl cow, and it just like <laughs> looks a certain way. Yeah. No, that didn't happen because like radiation is very bad for reproductive health. So okay, it, yes, that's correct. Like high doses of radiation will basically make it so that you can't get pregnant, and that goes for animals and people. Okay, gotcha. So, um, <clears throat> um, scientists, um, in the first few years after the accident focused on studies of wild animals and pets that had been left behind, <gasps> obviously, yeah, pets, How could people you left their pets. Leave your babies? Yeah. Cause they were like basically shipping people out on buses, like, and they couldn't even take anything with them. Cause it, even in that documentary, they show like all of the abandoned buildings and everything. And they're like, it looks like people ha- like are living there now because I mean obviously it looks all dirty and run down right. and everything but like there's still stuff like people didn't bring stuff with them. I would literally they shove just got up and left. I would shove Pepper in my backpack 
And then I would just carry Banjo. I don't care if he's a little sausage. I, I would just carry him around. <laughs> you just have to. I know. I would do the same for Bean. I have a, his carrier. I just throw him in the carrier, <laughs> stuff some hay in there. You're like nicer than me. I'm like, off. I'll throw my cat in my backpack. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I have a Bean carrier. Would not, <laughs> Bean would not let me do that. So I, the only thing I can do is put him in the carrier or he's stuck here. <laughs> <laughs> that was just so funny. Um, You're like, I'll put hay in there too. Bean is my bunny. <laughs> I don't know if anyone knows I have a bunny, but oh, yeah, yeah, Bean's my bunny. I'm obsessed with Bean. I always like, but every time Julia posts Bean on her story, I'm like, I'm crying. I'll literally start sobbing. <laughs> it's so cute. <laughs> yeah, he's a cutie. Um, but uh, he's he's also evil. I was gonna say, say he's not very affectionate. He's he likes to be pet. He doesn't like to be like snuggly. So he's yeah. a Capricorn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, we like to say that he has a leather jacket on at all times because he's like a bad boy. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so tiny. So it's so funny. He doesn't doesn't show love. Actually, one of the first times that I was over at Julia's house recording for the podcast. Um, it was during Christmas tra- time, and she had a bunch of wrapped presents under the tree, and he kept trying to go under it. It was so <laughs> funny. He was like, no, no, no I'm going to get to these yeah. presents. What did he do? He was, like, ripping them open with his little mouth. He was, yeah, he was trying to bite them and trying to, like, because he thinks that he can just, like, bite things and, and they'll move. Yeah, of course. Like, he does that all the time. Like, if he's trying to, like, get past something, he'll just try to bite it and, like, nudge it with his head. <laughs> To try to get it to move. And he does that to me, too, sometimes. If I'm sitting on the ground Mm -hmm. and he wants to get by and there's, like, not enough room, he'll, like, nudge his head, like, next to me and be like, get the fuck out of the way, man. I'm trying to get by. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, stop. (laughs) Bad boy. so cute, though. (laughs) But, yeah, he was trying to get under the tree because he likes to be under there. Yeah, he was being so naughty. It was so funny. Yeah. Oh, now I'm thinking about all the little beans in Chernobyl, oh. deformed buns. <laughs> oh, I know. Like that's that the when you said like I'm gonna talk about the animals, I, I'm literally like, oh my god, is she gonna talk about like two-headed deer? No. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, there was definitely some deformities, but I mean, there definitely weren't like two-headed animals, at least. Not that I have read about. So nothing fun. <laughs> well, I mean, there's like I'll go over them. So there's there's like a list of things like that were kind of common. So mm, okay. Um, the um energy. I'll just kind of explain like what happens with um radiation. Mm-hmm. So um energy from radiation can damage or break DNA molecules, and if the damage is severe enough, cells can't re- replicate. And the organism dies. And sometimes DNA can't be repaired, which means that a mutation happens. Mm -hmm. So mutated DNA may result in tumors and affect an animal's ability to reproduce, like I said earlier. Mm -hmm. So um, the types of radiation around Chernobyl actually has been changing over time because elements undergo radioactive decay. Mm -hmm. Um, so the um, casium-137 and iodine-131 are um, radioaction, radioactive isotopes that have been accumulated um, in the food chain and produce most of their radiation exposure to people and animals in that zone. 
So mm. those two isotopes are basically the ones responsible for all of the radiation poisoning. Yo, fuck those um, isotopes. I know. Um, and then immediately after the accident, ranchers in the area notice an increase in genetic abnormalities in farm animals. And in 1989 and 1990, the number of deformities spiked again, so a couple years later, um, possibly as a result of radiation um, being released from the um, nuclear core um, at the site. In 1990, around 400 deformed animals were born. And um, most of the deformities were so severe that the animals only lived a few hours, which oh. is very sad. No. I know. Can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you now. Your speaker is not working. Hmm? What the fuck? Okay, give me can you hear me? me? Yeah. Give me oh, okay. One, oh, okay. one sec. Uh... Okay, what about now? Yep, can you hear me now? Yes. Okay, cool. Okay. All right, ready? Yes. Okay. Um, so the um some of the examples of the defects um that were common at that time were like facial malformations, extra appendages, so I guess actually that could include an extra head, I guess. Or like now that I'm thinking about it. Like but I think it was probably mostly like extra arms and legs. Yeah, I was gonna say like probably I've seen they have like a leg protruding out of their abdomen. But it's like Yeah a much, yeah, yeah. much smaller. It's like not an actual leg that they can stand mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Um, some other things were like abnormal, abnormal coloring and reduced size. So just being like smaller in general. Mm -hmm. And, um, some of the most common animals that this happened with were cattle and pigs. And also for the cows, um, that were exposed to the fallout and being fed the feed that was like in the area. So the feed became radioactive which meant that their milk also became radioactive. So all of the milk that they were producing was radioactive, which is also sad. It's just sad. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it kind of reminds me of, like, when women can't breastfeed because they're taking certain medications and stuff because, mm-hmm. like, everything is in their milk, which, like, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so the health and reproduction of animals near Chern- Chernobyl were diminished for at least the first six months following the accident. Um, since that time, plants and animals have actually rebounded and largely reclaimed um, the region, like I said earlier. Um, sampling, some of the scientists now, like since they're still studying this, the way that they are doing it is by sampling their poopies. Ooh, yummy. <laughs> radioactive dung and soil, and they have like camera traps to watch the animals. Oh, that's interesting. So they kind of are just continuing to keep track doing those things. Who gets that job setting up the cameras? (laughs) (laughs) I know. I would actually love to just like watch animals on a camera all day, and that'd be my job. Um, you would love this TikTok because I recently found it, and it's this guy who puts up this like thin camouflage cloth, and he just sits mm. and waits for little fox babies to come out all day, and he just gets to film them. That's his job. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I want to do that. <laughs> 
Damn, I'm jealous. <laughs> okay, well, um, the Chernobyl exclusion zone is mostly off limits. Um, it's a, a mostly off limits area covering over six, 1,600 square miles around the accident. Jesus. And the, like I said earlier, it's mostly acting now as a wildlife refuge for those radioactive animals. Wait, you said 1,000 miles? Yeah, a th- well, 1,600 square miles. I don't know if that's different. I'm just... I don't know. I don't know units of measurement. <laughs> I'm just curious as to, like, how big that is in comparison to, like, the United States, you know? Oh, to the United States? Yeah. It's pretty small. Because it says it's only, like, 600 miles to South Carolina right now from where I am. Yeah. So, if it's square miles, maybe it's smaller? Who knows? Yeah. That's still wild, though. That's, like, a lot of land lost. Mm-hmm. Unused. I know. Yeah, but, I mean, the plus side is is that those animals can live there and it's actually if you think about it you know the damaging effects of the radiation inside the the zone actually might be less damaging than the threat of humans Mm -hmm. so it's like good and bad i mean obviously it's really bad that the accident happened but you know at least something good i guess is coming out of yeah, it yeah i guess land. So. Yeah, yeah yeah they're making like the most of it i guess like giving, yeah 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 right um so some of the animals um that have been seen within the contaminated zone are um wolves badgers swans moose elk turtles deer foxes beavers boars bison Mink, buns, buns. otters, <laughs> lynx, eagles, rodents, storks, bats, owls, and a breed of horse, which is actually an endangered species, which is, I guess, thriving there. So that's like a really good Wait. thing that's coming out of it is that species of horse. A wild horse? Yeah. And- it's called a, uh, I can't pronounce it. It's uh, P-R-Z-E Walski. Oh, Rosalski, Rosalski, I'm like I'm so butchering that. I'm sorry. No, fine. no, Ukrainian and Russian languages are just like so hard. Yeah, uh, to pronounce. but it's this type of wild horse that is like thriving. I was gonna say I'm just I feel so uncultured because whenever I hear about like wild horses in other countries and other continents, I'm like, I all I think about is like the American prairie. <laughs> and I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm always so surprised that other places have wild horses. I know. <laughs> like, what are they? Like, seem like, are they the same? I or like, know. are they like the big, massive ones, you know? I know. Yeah, you're right. I think they're actually a little smaller. At least that they looked smaller in the picture that I saw of them. Mm. They look kind of like smaller and like uh, more, what's the word, girthier. Like, like oh, now <laughs> I want to look it up. Like, I'm curious. <laughs> Um, they're, it's called, it's spelled P-R-Z-E-W-A-L-S-K-I horses. Mm, yeah, um, but yeah, so aren't they, they kind of look like, you know, chonkier. Wait, stop. They're, they're like cute. They kind of look like. They're really cute. A mix of a donkey and a horse. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like their, their colors and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, oh my God. They're so fluffy in the winter. Yeah. Shut I know. Okay. New favorite horse acquired. I'm, I'm also <laughs> I'm a new I am I'm also jealous though, like because they have wild horses. Like does America have wild yeah, horses? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure because Spirit the 
<laughs> my only <laughs> reference is the animated film music done by uh, Brian Adams. And I love... Oh, my God. I, I love watching that movie because they have all the horses, but, like, also it's a story about uh, revenge and everything like that, but I love it. Um, anyways, yeah. that's the only reason why I know we have wild horses. <laughs> but where? Uh, where are they? In the American Prairie. Not in Connecticut. I don't know where the prairie is located. I know, me neither. Honestly, probably uh, Montana. I feel like Montana gives me horse vibes. And like yeah, ranch vibes. You're probably right. And Wyoming, yeah. like maybe. Mm-hmm. So over there. Definitely yeah, Midwest. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Ugh, Connecticut sucks. No, no, no. Don't say that. We have we melon don't have heads. wild horses. It's fine. Oh, no. Great. We have that. What is it called? The, the, what is that called? The giant. Gloacus. The Gloacus. And then what did I say about the, the man who like mimics people? He's like a sa- he's like a oh, descendant of Sasquatch. The wi- Winstead. Yeah, man? yeah, yeah. Is that who it's it was? absolutely terrifying. But we have all those. See, it's fine. Great, that's amazing. <laughs> I'm so happy. I'd much rather have that than wild horses. Right. <laughs> Beautiful, majestic. Fuck that. Nah, you I don't. don't that. You, I got melon. You heads. don't want little goblin guys with giant swollen heads <laughs> running around you. You'd rather have horses. No. Yes. <laughs> Uh, whatever it's so anyway funny. <laughs> <laughs> um but not all of the animals actually um do well there oh so like most of those um animals were like mammals um some birds but um a lot of insects actually can't live there um like invertebrate um populations like invertebrate sorry um like bees butterflies spiders grasshoppers dragonflies things like that because um those type of insects need to lay their eggs in the top layer of the soil which obviously contains like high levels of radioactivity so they just kind of don't survive their eggs there that makes a lot of sense so yeah, so there's not really many insects there, which honestly, that's pretty great. Yeah, I, was, <laughs> I mean, it, oh, that is interesting. Yeah, yeah, not having any insects, but also, can you imagine like going outside and just like, you know, going to sit out in the grass or like, you know, have a picnic, yeah. and there's no annoying ants and spiders. And things trying to attack you. Yeah, exactly. And during, like, the (laughs) summer seasons, like, not having to light the citronella candles outside to keep the bugs away. Right, exactly. Like, that sounds... I mean, obviously, I know insects are very important for our environment and would collapse without them. Yeah, but but not having to put bug spray on and having a natural (laughs) radiation amount so that you don't have bugs. Sounds amazing. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so there's that too. Um, And also aquatic um, organisms there are also facing um, some genetic instability because the radioisotopes have settled into the sediment in the lakes. So some of those species that are being affected are like frogs, fish, crustaceans, Mm -hmm. insect larvae, like I mentioned. So um, (gasps) they're still being affected. But it does seem like, you know... The, even though those um, animals that I mentioned earlier, like the mammals and stuff, mm-hmm. they um, are still like considered to be mutants and are radioactive. Oh, really? Like it, 
Yeah, because I mean, they are, their DNA is still affected and they are always eating radioactive food. Oh, okay, okay. No, I'm dumb. I always, I just like don't think of animals being uh, like the word, like the the adjective radioactive. I just think they're like fucked up, you know, but. Well, yeah. And like when you hear the word mutant, that sounds like they have two exactly it's like a benefit almost in my eyes like if someone said something's like mutated or like a mutant i'm like oh they got stronger like they got bigger that's where my mind goes Mm -hmm. and then (laughs) i was thinking about what i saw on tiktok and (laughs) it was this uh chernobyl like uh fish and they were talking about the radiation like you were saying in the sediment and in the lakes and everything Mm -hmm. and it was like this giant fucking fish that really? they've never seen before and it kind of reminded me of like you know those giant sturgeons the freshwater sturgeons that yeah. can get really big it reminded uh-huh. me of that but the people were freaking out because like it's just they've never seen it it's never been there it's like not native to the area but it might be like a genetically like rate or it might be like a radioactive fish that's just gone to these super fucking levels of growth or something yeah but it was kind of cool yeah. i was like thrashing around it kind of looked like a sea monster a little bit but kind of reminded me of sturgeon yeah. well if you think too like there's no people there to be fishing and stuff so those animals can grow yeah you know really big without having to really worry about like at least human predators yeah they're just like living their best life all radioactive yeah and stuff. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, so also some of the birds there are also still facing problems. Um, a study from 1991 to 2006 of, um, on barn swallows indicated that birds in the exclusion zone displayed more abnormalities than birds from a control sample. So that includes like deformed beaks, albinistic features, um, bent tail feathers, deformed air sacs. Um, and they also had less reproductive success. Albinistic. So, um, so like they looked albino. Yeah, like they oh, had. They were white. That's interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I never heard of that either. They um, weren't in the other <clears throat> animals. The other animals didn't have. I'm sure that they did. Um, I think that they just realized that because of the um, the study that they did for such a long oh. time, just specifically on those birds. Yeah, I get that. Um, <clears throat> they also had like smaller brains, malformed. Um, malformed sperm and cataracts oh wow! so a lot of a lot of different things that um the radiation can cause um specifically in those oh but God. i'm sure in the other ones too but none of their like their skin is like fine like their fur and everything i just find it interesting of how it like would affect humans it almost automatically affects our skin like yeah. it, it was like well actually i don't know I don't know, like, if it would be, like, a a quiet thing like cancer, you know, or... Well, I mean, it definitely does cause cancer. Like, a lot of um, people were... um, I think there was, like, 5,000 cases of thyroid cancer that happened after that. Thyroid And a bunch of different other... Yeah, a bunch of different other types of cancer, too. But, I mean, also, radiation does cause, like, radiation, like, topical skin burns. Right. So, that does obviously affect our skin but i think like with these animals since they've been living in the area and reproducing it's kind of like uh they're studying the way that the dna has been Mm. um mutated over time Mm -hmm. 
So since there aren't any people really living in that area, the effects are obviously not as bad over time. Yeah. You know? I was thinking, like... I was just thinking, like, way too literally. I was like, what if, like, an animal, like, touches the soil, like, rubs up in the soil? You know how, like, animals do that? They, yeah. They, like, roll in the dirt. If, like... Yeah. They would just end up having those skin irritations and stuff because of the radioactivity. Yeah. yeah. I don't think... I think that the radioactivity in the soil... I mean, it's still, like, it's present, but I don't think it's high enough to cause like anything like that like burns or anything okay so it's like settled it's not like as bad okay yeah yeah i got you um but that's basically all i had about chernobyl there's obviously a lot more information out there about it so i would definitely encourage you if you're interested to learn more about it to do some research or watch that um hbo documentary about it Mm -hmm. um i got some of my information from um a source called worldnuclear.org so you can check that out as well um but yeah that's basically all that i wanted to go over about it i kind of just wanted to talk about it generally and kind of the effects that it's been having on the animals in the area yeah i thought it was really interesting i just thought it was this crazy abnormal thing and honestly it sounds like to me that the animals are fairly resilient and they've adapted rather than kind of you know like fallen off or died i agree um yeah but the chernobyl uh documentary i you reminded me of how sad i felt for like that one firefighter but then i remembered that one scene where like it, they show you the little, little particles that are, like, flying through the air, and then it reaches mm-hmm. the people that are, like, standing on the bridge, and the baby mm-hmm. is being held by its mother, and then it goes to another scene, and you just see the baby have, like, red cheeks, and, like, it looks like it has sunburn mm. and stuff, and yeah. they were, like, nowhere near the explosion. It was just, like, the town over, but they could see, like, the lights yeah. of it and stuff so that that was just wild that's it's so sad i know i think about it um now i kind of want to rewatch it yeah me too i i watched and it like years ago right it came out like yeah years. when it first came out i watched it yeah, yeah a few years ago um but now i just kind of want to watch it and yeah <laughs> see all the stuff i met facts i missed that i could have put in this episode <laughs> uh, you're like oh i want to watch something that's like accurate i'm thinking about the horror movie chernobyl <laughs> where they wait what yeah there's like i don't know if it's a horror movie i didn't watch it all because honestly it was kind of boring but now i want to watch it um it's about Mm -hmm. these it's like found footage bullshit where like these three friends are visiting the chernobyl site and they go on this tour and then they sneak further in because they want to see and they i think they happen upon this like like this massive monster that's like all mutated and shit or like this animal mm. that's chasing them or something um yeah and they end up like fleeing from it and stuff so i don't know if it's a horror movie it might be a thriller but anyways i want to watch that now <laughs> um and i think it's called chernobyl i'm pretty sure oh my um, god oh, i want to watch that too. yeah right <laughs> um but i really liked the episode and i hope you guys did too um if you have any more thoughts or like facts or anything at all you want us to do a uh, different topic next time anything you can email us at the witching dot podcast at gmail.com and stay tuned for the next episode of the witching a lady, not a friend, not a